All right, take your Bible, if you would, please. Make your way to the book of Luke. Luke is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Find, if you would, please, the second chapter of the book of Luke. Um, Very familiar chapter, uh, especially as we are approaching the Christmas season. As you know this to be the Christmas passage, you know this to be the announcement of the birth of the Lord Jesus, and just a marvelous and wonderful chapter. It's unique that it finds itself inside our series on a Christian home in which we have been going forward and through. I believe tonight will be the seventh message in this series. Uh, We have been to the home of Timothy. We have been to the home of Moses. We have been to the home of Lot. We have been to the home of Achan. We have been to the home of the prodigal son. We have been to the home of Joshua, and then tonight we will finish by going and visiting the home of Jesus. And uh, this is a beautiful place to finish our series, and you will find in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 21 that we will be visiting the home of Jesus eight days, eight days after he was born through through the womb of Mary, and uh, we're going to make a, a house call on him, if so, and look at his home. And I'm going to give you the title of my service tonight, of the message tonight, but I need to preach my way to my title. Now, unless you're a preacher, you wouldn't understand that, but I'm going to give you my title, and then I'm going to preach you to my title. I don't know that this is probably... Um, the best thing a pastor ought to say to his church before he starts a message. I'm not sure you need this message. Well, then we're going home, pastor. No. I'm preaching tonight, especially to those of you that are here, not necessarily because you're not already obeying this or practicing this, because I think you are. I just kind of want to preach it tonight to confirm That what you are doing is right, what you are doing is profitable, and what you are doing is going to work. And so, bear with me. Give me some time to preach to my title. My title is this. A Christian home goes to church. A Christian home goes to church. You would think that would just be a no-brainer, but you would be shocked how many people that call themselves Christians don't think they need to belong to a church or don't think they need to go to a church or don't think that church would be for them. For whatever reason, they have these certain ideas about what a church is, what a church is not, and what, what their relationship would be to this. But I've been inside a Christian home series now, showed you, the purpose of a home. I've shown you all types of things of what a home will do. I want to show you tonight the validity, the power, the joy, the blessing of a Christian home that goes to church. Pick up, if you would, please, at verse number 21. You're definitely going to need an ink pen and something to write on as you take some notes. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. 
And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of, say that word, that's how they got in the Christmas story, turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Verses 25 all the way down to verse number 38 tell of a moment in the life of the Lord Jesus as his parents are bringing him into Jerusalem, into the temple to do all that they've just said. In verses 25 to 38, you will meet two people, Simeon being one, Anna being another, that just announce who Jesus is as the Son of God, as the Messiah. Um, Anna announces him in verse number 38 as, as the redemption that is in Jerusalem. And those two folks fit wonderfully inside the Christmas message. But I want to just move a little bit past that for our series tonight. And look, if you would, pick back up at verse number 39. Knowing from verse number 24, they've come to offer sacrifices, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. And then pick up, if you would, in verse 39. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord... They returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Take your ink pen and you want to underline verse number 40. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now this is a testimony of what was happening to the Lord Jesus while he was in Nazareth as a child. Verse number 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, this is pretty much all we have of a description of the Lord Jesus' life from this moment till he was 12. They went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. So don't feel bad if you ever lost your child. So did Joseph and Mary. And don't feel bad with their supposition. Look at verse 44. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, well, somebody's got him, right? Went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintances. A whole day goes by. They, somebody's got him. You seen him? No. He's probably with so-and-so. You sure? Yeah, he's fine. All of a sudden, he's absent. Verse 45. And when they found him not... They turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, that's a long time, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, 
both hearing them and asking them questions. Twelve-year-old boy. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they, his parents, saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. You can imagine that if you've ever not been able to find your child, let alone three days. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? Luke says, They understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. Now, we had already had Nazareth over in verse 39. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. You imagine that, the living God subject to a mother and a father. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Now, take that same ink pen and underline, if you would, please, verse number 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I, I would dare say that that would be the delight of every home. That would be the joy of every home. That every home would see an increase in wisdom and every home would see an increase in stature and that every home would see an increase in favor with God and with man. Whether your home is a single home, whether your home is a split home, whether your home is a special home or whether your home is a complete home, I think that this would be a joy and a blessing that every home would know this type of increase within the members of a home. Especially would this be found to be a blessing when it comes to the children of a home. I would say that it would be the delight of most, especially Christian parents, that as God gives us children, that our children would be increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. That would be a spiritual growth that would be a physical development, that would be a spiritual favor with God, and learning how to uh, relate to their fellow man. I would submit to you that our world would be a lot better off if we knew how to relate to our neighbor and love our neighbors ourselves. right? I know what you're thinking, because as I was studying this, I was thinking the same thing. Well, if Jesus was my kid, this would be easy to happen, right? Pastor, if my kids were like Jesus... Then, then rearing them would be a lot easier. If our home was filled with Jesus, then, then our home would be a lot better. I guess I understand that statement. But for our series tonight, I want to give you a thought and a truth here. And I think I can back it up from Scripture. Actually, my thought comes from Scripture. Many people say or think, especially parents, man, if my kid was like Jesus or acted like Jesus, then we would have no problems. Well, I understand that statement. However, my desire for you tonight and my desire for my wife and I is that that our kids would be like Jesus per se, 
but that our kids would have a home to grow up in like Jesus did. I'll say that again. Not that my kids, putting the onus on them, would act or be like Jesus, thinking that then my home would be much easier to navigate. But for our series tonight, and the closing of our series on a Christian home, my desire would be that my kids would have a home to grow up in like Jesus had. We know Jesus is without sin, right? So you understand that he was an easy child. But I submit to you that he was a child. He is the God-man. He is fully God. He is fully man. He is without sin. He always has been and always will. But yet, he had a mom and dad. He had a direction. He had a home. He had a childhood. And when we read in the text, verse number 40, please. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I would submit to you that it's one thing to say as, as the Lord Jesus, but this really and truthfully is the product of a home that had an environment that nurtured spiritual growth, spiritual development, which in turn nurtured love for a neighbor and development in favor with God and man. Yes, Jesus is who he, who he is. Yes, Mary and Joseph were sinners that needed to be saved. And yes, I do wish that sometimes my kids would just be Jesus. They would be easy to raise. But I do look and see, am I providing a home that Mary and Joseph provided for Jesus that enabled spiritual growth? By the way, Jesus had, after he was born, brothers and sisters. And they grew to know the, know the Lord. And so when I look at this text... I found some things within the text that I think uh, lend toward this type of spiritual growth. These are truths and activities and things that were in this home that I want to be in our homes. Let me give them to you. Some of them I will give you quickly and some I will, I will concentrate on. Come back if you would to verse number 21 of verse number, of chapter number 2. And I would submit to you that in verse number 21, because of the behavior in the naming of the child, the way that he was prophesied to be named, and yet Mary and Joseph went along with that, I think you will find in verse 21 that Mary and Joseph had a spirit of submission in their home. Write this down. They had a spirit of submission in their home. In having a spirit of submission in their home, they had an obedient spirit in their home. 
If the home is going to be a place that nurtures spiritual growth, which then in turn nurtures growth as a citizen, growth in humanity, that develops favor with God and with man, then there must be from the leadership of the home the submission to God or obedience. If you're a single person tonight and you have nobody else in your home, but if your home is going to maintain a sweet spirit where God can work, a sweet spirit of of blessing upon that, then there must be a spirit of submission within my heart to obey the Lord. And so the child was prophesied and told to be called Jesus, and they did that. And you will find as you make your way through Mary and Joseph's life, they were obedient to the Lord. A Christian home that is going to navigate this type of spiritual growth is one that is going to be obedient to the Lord, has a spirit of submission in it. Look, if you would, at verse number 22. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. They had a recognition. Not only did they have a submission in verse number 21. In verse number 22, they had a recognition that the child that God gave them was of the Lord. They had a recognition that they had a a responsibility to present to the Lord. Their home was not a self-made home. Their home was not provided because that they somehow had jobs and made six figures or they were somehow blessed. They realized that every blessing about their home came from the Lord. They realized that the child Jesus, of course, being virgin born, was of the Lord. And so in their recognition, they were willing to present To the Lord. There was no selfishness in the home. There was no hiding in the home. There was no keeping from the home. Mary and Joseph recognized that their home was blessed because God is good. By the way, He is good. And our homes are blessed that way. And we need to maintain a recognition that everything that we have is because of God. That God is the one that has blessed our home. God is the one that has given us health. God is the one that has given us a job. God is the one that has given to us finance. God is the one that has given to us opportunity. Without Him, we would have nothing. Right? And a home that doesn't recognize God as its provider, God as its blesser, is a home that does not present or yield or praise the Lord. Jesus grew spiritually in a home that reckoned God in every area of their life. Verse number 23. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. You know that word holy is the word sanctify, it's the word set apart. Right beside that in verse 23, the word dedication. You had a submission, a spirit of submission that was there in obedience from the leadership of that home. You had a recognition of the goodness of God that had a spirit of presentation and yielding in the home. Now you have a spirit of dedication as to a recognition that they are separated or sanctified or set apart unto the Lord. And I, I spoke on that a little bit throughout our Christian home series. 
A Christian home is a home that recognizes that it is to be separate from the world and it is to be separated unto the Lord. A Christian home is one that is to be dedicated to the Lord. Not only the spirit of the home, the people of the home, but the things of the home. And there was this spirit of dedication. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 24, as we read down through here into uh, verse number 27. This is, gives me my next one. And they came to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. What a prophecy. And he, now watch this, came by the Spirit into the temple. So the Spirit of God had prophesied to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus now is being brought by his parents into the temple. And the Spirit of God is leading Simeon at the same time so he can see him. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, take your ink pen, to do for him, underline those words, to do for him after the custom of the law. All right, this gives me my fourth point, right? I told you I had to preach to my title, let me get there. Jesus is in a home where he is growing spiritually. He is developing spiritually. He is developing physically. He's developing in favor with God and with man. This would be the product of a Christian home. This would be the desire of every parent. This ought to be the testimony of every home, whether you have children in the home or not. Of course, if Jesus was our kid, then our home would be perfect. Mm. That says that all the problems in our home are our kid's fault. In reality, Jesus also had a home that nurtured an environment where he could spiritually grow. You would be shocked how many parents actually are a negative to the spiritual environment or development of a kid. And Jesus grew up in a home that knew a submissive spirit and obedience. They they knew a recognition of the blessing of God upon that house. They knew a dedication uh, to the Lord as they are separated and holy. And the fourth one was, he grew up in a home that had a, that laid a foundation for him. Write that down. They laid a foundation for him. Now, as they're bringing him here at this, at this young age of eight days old, he's unable to do for himself, so his parents are doing for him. His parents are laying a foundation by doing for him at this young age a custom of obedience, a custom of recognition, a custom of dedication. Matter of fact, look in verse number 27. You find the word custom to do for him after the custom. When you come down into verse number 42, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast, right? So he's 12 years old there. 
Come, if you would, to chapter 4. Look at verse number 16. Stay with me mentally. You're the sharpest knives in the drawer. You're the Wednesday night crowd. Look at verse number 16. And he, speaking of Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as is his what? What class? Custom, right? So Jesus had a custom. Where did Jesus learn that custom from? His parents had a custom. So, yes, he's eternal God. But he grew up in a home with sinners that were saved by grace. Yes, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And you would expect that for the Lord Jesus. But he still had a home that nurtured that. And you find very early in his life, his parents would do for him what he could not do for himself. And in doing what for him what he could not do for himself, they were laying a foundation. Let me just pause here just a moment. Because we live, now live in a world where the child controls the parent, not the parent parenting the child. Or the child parents the parent, and the parent doesn't parent the child. And so if the child doesn't want to do it, the parent doesn't do it. If the child doesn't want to do it, the parent doesn't make the child do it. Now, I grew up in a very different age. If I didn't want to do something, that didn't seem to matter too much to my parents. If I really didn't want to do it, they had a way to change my mind. And usually that was through my south end. It's amazing how the south end affects the north end, right? Right? So, so here, you've you got to navigate yourself carefully. There is a time in your child's life, mom and dad, where you have to do for them spiritually because they can't do for themselves. That means there's a time you get them up and you bring them to church when they don't want to come to church. That's a time you make them sing in the kids' Christmas program when they don't want to sing. You make them do certain things they don't want to do. Now, Jesus never didn't want to do anything. He is perfect. But still, when he couldn't as a child, his parents did for him what he could not do. And in doing that, they were laying a foundation. They were laying a custom. And he honored that custom in his older life. And I have found that parents that lay spiritual foundation and spiritual custom when a child is young, normally the child remembers that when they grow to be an adult. And, and they reference back to that. Now there comes a line or a time as they get into their teenage years where you have to operate differently there. But if you'll lay that foundation properly, you will find that they'll build upon that foundation and build upon that. And you won't have such a difficult fight when they get older. So, so Jesus grew up in a home that laid a spiritual foundation. Christian home. It had a spirit of submission. It had a spirit of recognition. It had a spirit of dedication. And it had a spirit of foundation. So pastor, are you telling me that if my child is under the age of 12 
and they don't want to do certain things when it comes to church or they don't want to do certain things when it comes to whatever that I should make them do certain things, I, I would have to say that you're the one responsible to lay the foundation. You know when your child is honest or when your child is defiant. You cannot disguise or, or dismiss defiancy as, as innocent. Hopefully Beverly won't go to jail for this. I'll use her as my illustration. We, we spanked our kids early. I mean, we spanked them when they were in diapers. Okay? Now, we didn't haul off and get them. When they were when they were young, you, 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 we knew it was time to spank them. When the crying went from just a simple cry to the arching of their back, face red, scream defiance. Anybody else have that child that way? Or am I the? Thank you, thank you. Right? You know, you know when it's no longer the spirit; it's the will. You gotta break their will. You better never crush their spirit. But you cannot dismiss a defiant will. I find Christian homes where the parents are not laying a foundation, then if they lay a foundation, they're not supporting the foundation, and the kids are ruling the parent. That, that can't be the proper way. Verse number 41. After the description that the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him, this is the evidence of that submission, recognition, dedication, foundation. You find that when Jesus is 12 years old, there is a a description here of an organization. Write that word down. Of an organization. And we get a little bit of a vision and a glimpse into how Mary and Joseph organized their home. And there's one key component. And I'll finish the whole series with this one key component. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem how often? Every year. Every year. At the feast of the Passover. So for 12 years, and you will find even longer than that, every year at the Passover, they make their trip into Jerusalem. Look if you would at verse number 43. And when they had fulfilled the days. So it wasn't where they just went up there and showed their face. There was a practice. There was worship. There was sacrifice. There were all of these things that happened. Really and truthfully, as I examine the home of Mary and Joseph in rearing of the Lord Jesus, 
I find that it was a submissive, obedient home. It was a home that recognized God's goodness. It was a home that was dedicated or separated to the Lord. It was a home that laid a foundation for spiritual growth. But it was also a home that was completely and determinately dictated and organized by an annual trip to the temple. The temple was where the folks, uh, the, the, the people of the Old Testament worshipped. They were to go there as evidence of their faith. They were required to offer certain sacrifices for certain things as, as pictures and testimonies to their belief. They, they, they never missed this. Their whole life was dictated and determined and organized and scheduled around a trip to the temple. Now, you and I are in the New Testament day. God no longer has a temple for His people to worship in. Today, His people are the temple. Right? However, God does have a place where we are to corporately meet and to worship. And that is the church. There is an essence and a truth, not an essence, a truth, that all saved members on the earth make up the church of the Lord Jesus. If that's you, say amen. But God has also determinately uh, detected and organized and ordained a local body of believers, a local assembly called the church. And you will find, as you read about the church, that it's not something that we are to do once a year, but as you read the scripture, you will find that it meets every week. Okay? So watch where pastor's driving. I told you I had to preach to my title. I've preached to my title. A Christian home goes to church. Just like Mary and Joseph's home and life was organized around temple worship, our lives are organized completely around our church. There's no bigger block on your schedule than church. Nothing is more important in our lives than church. Jesus gave himself for the... Now, I told you, you didn't need this message because you're here. But I'm, I'm letting you know that organizing our lives around the church is what a Christian home does. Let me prove it. Acts chapter 20, verse number 7. Come on, it's Bible study. Turn. I got three things that you'll have to do. I'm almost done. I'll be done in 45 minutes. Acts chapter 20, verse number 7. When you read through the scriptures, you will find, especially as you, as you begin here, that the church was organized to meet on the first day of the week. Um, the first day of the week was the day that the Lord Jesus resurrected from the dead. Luke talks about that. The first day of the week was other things. When you come to Acts chapter 20, verse number 7, the Bible says, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came, how class? Together. 
Okay? So we know that they came together. Now watch this. To break bread, Paul did what unto them? Preached. Right? So you have a service, a church developing. Hold your hand here. Or, or let go. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if you would, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I want to show you what the Bible says here. Again, you're going to find upon the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So we know that Paul on the first day of the week preached messages and the church broke bread. We know that the church met on the first day of the week. We know that the Apostle Paul gave instruction on how to give money, where to give money for the church on the first day of the week. Go, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Back just a couple of pages here, if you would, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look, if you would, please, verse number 27. You know this chapter to be the great chapter of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ, speaking of the church, the members in particular, and God hath set some in the, what class? Church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then the gifts of healing, gifts of helps, governments, diversity of tongues. Uh, he goes on to talk about all of the gifts of the church, right? So three passages of scripture, Acts chapter 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Acts chapter 20, look at pastor, talks about your calendar, 1 Corinthians 16 talks about your wallet. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about your activity. Jesus grew up in a home that was completely organized and dominated and dictated by that trip to the temple to worship. We don't operate that way. But we have been commanded as the body of Christ upon the first day of the week in the house of God, which is the pillar and ground of truth, to meet together for corporate worship. That means a Christian home is dominated and dictated by the church times. Because the Bible said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves when we come together does that mean i have to go to church all the time no but that means when the doors of the church are open god's people should be there does that mean i can't go have a vacation no does that mean i can't skip just because i want to no shame on you does that does that mean that i can't go fishing or i can't go to the beach or i can't do something like this no but a christian home is organized around the meeting together of church times. I'm sorry, we can't make that. We have church that night. That doesn't mean you don't go bowling one time for a church night, but why would you join a bowling league that bowls every Wednesday night? 
Christian homes don't do that. We don't do that. Well, I'm part of a, I, I, I love, listen, I love to fish. I love to fish. And I'm in fishing tournaments. And some of them are Saturday, Sunday tournaments. I've never fished a Sunday tournament. I, may, I don't think you guys would fire me if I fished one, especially if I won big money in tithes. <laughs> but I can't join a fishing club that fishes every Sunday. Why? Because we have church. Christian homes are completely dominated by church times. They're completely dominated financially. My church, I bring my tithe. Our church is giving to a building. Our church gives to missions. My whole checkbook, you probably don't have a checkbook anymore. Plantation Baptist, Plantation Baptist, Plantation Baptist, Plantation Baptist, Plantation Baptist, Plantation Baptist. Christian homes are dominated and dictated financially by their church. They're dominated in their service. Well, Pastor, I can't, I can't commit to a certain ministry because, you know, we do bingo that night. Or I can't commit to this because of this. I can't commit here. Now, don't, don't take Pastor off the deep end, but our first allegiance is to the Lord Jesus and to his church. Christian homes go to church. Okay. You don't need this message. But I just want to tell you this. Stay the course. Keep your spirit of submission. Keep your recognition of all that God is and has done in your home. Keep that spirit of dedication. Keep laying that foundation. Keep yourself organized. This is what our church is doing. This is when our church is meeting. Because those things provide a nurturing environment in your home for spiritual growth. My daughter, Allie, plays in the soccer league of our city. They may play one or two games on a Wednesday night. She may miss service. If they played every Wednesday night, wouldn't let her do it. Wouldn't let her do it. This is just how God's people think. And we organize our homes. I preached a little long tonight, but I hope it was a blessing. Keep up what you're doing. It nurtures that type of environment in our homes. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, God. Mary and Joseph had a home that nurtured spiritual growth. They weren't perfect people. But every year they went to that temple. Their whole lives were organized and dictated around that worship. We don't go to a temple, but we have a church. And we live in a day where people say, well, you can be a Christian and not go to church. I don't find that in the Bible. I mean, you can be a Christian, but Christian people go to church. It's wrong for a Christian not to go to church. And and the church ought to be a dominant, dominant block in our homes. Oh, my church is having revival. Oh, my church is going to go help the poor. Oh, I, oh, my church is, my church is doing, my church is doing, that's just kind of how Christian people, how we think, Christian homes. 
And so, Lord, our, our people tonight didn't need it in a, in a chastening way. They're here, man. But I do think we needed it in a comforting way to stay the course so that we can have homes that lay a foundation for spiritual growth. And sometimes you just need to be reminded that we're on the right road. Anytime you're on the Bible road, you're on the right road. And so bless us, protect us, and help us now. Thank you for our series. It's been great. May our homes know the joy of a Christian home. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, our song to go out is entitled, Yes, Lord, Yes. When the Spirit of God speaks to me, that's what I'll say. Stand if you would. Let's sing. We'll see you back on Sunday.